everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fingers Crossed Podcast. So excited to have you with us on this fine Tuesday or whatever day of the week you're listening to this. Actually, let us know if you usually listen to it the day it comes out every Tuesday or if you listen another day. You know, I'm always curious. Thanks for starting your sunrise day with us. We appreciate you. Yeah, bright and early. I definitely think this week is a different note, I would say. There's a different tone in the U.S. after inauguration this past week. And things are much more bright. I feel like our last couple of episodes have been, like, a little bit downtrodden. Um, Not the episodes themselves, but at least me, because things have been just wild. But I genuinely felt so much better. I mean, obviously, not everything is fixed, and there's still a lot of problems to be worked on. But But there's hope. There's, like, we have hope for the first time. And, I mean, that inauguration ceremony was so special. and So uh, beautiful. I'll get into this later with my lemons, but I was having, I've been having a pretty rough week, um, just emotionally and like with my mental health, it's been a little, a little on the tough side. And, uh, Christy and I were FaceTiming yesterday, um, attempting to like plan stuff out and work on the podcast, but it ended up just being that I was like, just crying and losing my shit. And Christy (laughs) was, uh, talking through it with me, um, which was really nice and yes, comfort. (laughs) And, uh, she was telling me, she's like, yeah, you know, I was having a rough day the other day and then I just reread amanda gorman's poem and it honestly helped kind of pull me out of a slump so you should try that and last night before i went to bed i reread her poem and it kind of filled me up with these warm hopeful fuzzies and if you don't know what i'm talking about i hope you know what i'm talking about um but amanda gorman is the incredible new uh inaugural poet laureate um am i saying that right she read at the inauguration ceremony but she is a a published poet, super accomplished, and her poem, The Hill We Climb, that she performed was, it just, like, makes you feel some kind of way. It, it, it captures so perfectly acknowledging the faults we've made and acknowledging the problems that exist, but while still grasping the hope of moving forward and, you know, working together to see a brighter tomorrow in the most like honest and non like toxic positivity kind of way she just somehow encapsulates perfectly it's just so authentic what we needed to hear in a way that's so encouraging and I read it as the last thing I read before I went to sleep last night and I just felt like I went to sleep in a peaceful way versus the last three nights I've had like nightmares and then like I read that poem and I went to sleep and I was like peaceful so (laughs) random tangent but also, like, just, what you read before you go to sleep or watch or whatever makes such a difference for your sleep. Yeah. Like, it's so yeah. true. I really want to get into reading more just poetry in general. Like, I forget how powerful it is until I just mm-hmm. randomly stumble across, like, a poem or see one online. And it just makes you stop and think. Like, it's a different kind of perspective that you don't think about with other types of art necessarily to me. Um, so if anyone has recommendations for like poetry books that you really like, uh, slide into my DMs and let me know because I definitely want to read more. And of course, Amanda Gorman was so talented. So I also watched, um, an interview with her and Anderson Cooper and he was kind of asking her about like when she was writing the poem because obviously she referenced like pretty recent events too Mm -hmm. and um, just her inspiration behind it. And she's just so talented, especially for someone so young, like 22, um, caught the fact that I'm at the age where I'm like, wow, that was me three years ago. <laughs> oh, man. But and also, did you know about her um, speech impediment and how she grew up with a yeah, speech impediment? Yeah, she talked impediment? about that. And, and so uh, that was what inspired her to start writing 
in the first place is because it was a way to like find her voice on paper yeah and then um as she got older she just decided that her poems needed a voice and that her voice was the best one to to share her work and so it sort of was her motivator to work through the challenges of her speech impediment and I just think that going from that like it's gonna make me cry I've cried too much this week so I don't want to do it again (laughs) but just it's really inspiring to think about how the journey she's come from and right the hill she's climbed if you and I yeah exactly the hill we're all climbing and I think that it's the climb Miley Cyrus yeah, it's foreshadowing my. We should Cyrus. get a she, crossover of Amanda Gorman and Miley Cyrus. Of the hill we climb and the <laughs> climb by. Despite everything that is going on in our personal lives with just feelings of isolation and discouragement and job search and, I, you know, just everything that's going on, frustration, I think that there's so much hope to be found to at least brighten things up a little bit in the events of this week. And yeah. And the line that she ended on especially, I love it. I posted it as one of our captions on the Fingers mm-hmm. Crossed account. But it's, um, if I think it, oh, I don't want to say it wrong. It, but there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Yeah. Sort of like all of those super cliche quotes about, like, in the middle of a storm, be a lighthouse, or in the middle of a dark night sky, be the North Star. You know, all those things. But the way she says it is, like actually makes you want to get up and do stuff it like actually makes you want to get up and like do something good it's been quite a week in the world but um yeah like you mentioned sierra kind of touched on a little bit of her lemon if you wanted to elaborate more and talk about it with us you don't have to if you don't want to but yeah i mean i i go through periods where i'm like such an open book and i want to like share every little thing i'm experiencing and i'm going through and like just expressing everything just because I like to share in the sense that I want people to know they're not alone if people are going through something similar to me I always want to share that so that people feel like oh well I'm going through this too anxiety or isolation or feeling stuck in a in a in a puddle full of mud I you know what I mean like I I just want to share that but last night I got like super self-conscious this is just me this is me sharing about me not wanting to share here we go (laughs) if you're going through a hard time like with your mental health or the pandemic or struggling with anxiety and things like that sometimes it's it's scary to share and it's scary to like when your friends check in with you and like you know ask how you're doing sometimes like maybe it's just because I have cried so much this week and had such a tough week that I don't I'm like, when I get to a good place, I like don't want to bring it up again. Yeah, like, you don't, don't want to like reopen the wound. My lemon is, in long story short, I've been going through a bit of some tough things as far as like coping with the pandemic and coping with where I'm at in my life and feeling stuck and just dealing with a lot of negative, negative feelings and things like that. But um, I'm super grateful for my support system and the ability to have a platform to talk about it because it can be really scary and it can be really... Um, feels isolating yeah and and vulnerable and weird and yeah so it's just I if any of this is making any sense if if you're going through a hard time right now and struggling and feeling like you don't know how to express what's going on or you don't know how to understand your feelings or you don't know who to talk to or how I I get it and you're not alone and 
we're gonna get through it together so that's and my also like this week I suppose. it comes in different waves too with this whole pandemic situation and it feels like oh well it's just the norm now we've been in this for almost a year like you know this is life get used to it is how i'll like rationalize it to myself but then you do get hit with different things that might remind you of like oh well actually this is different and i'm missing out on this because of it and just like you know it's not just a constant feeling it's like up and down you know and you hit the downs of ways that it's manifested in your life and it's like ugh, i just wish it was over but this too shall pass we will get through it even you know, though it, it feels was... like it's forever away <laughs> yeah I was, um, interestingly enough, I have this journal that's called One Line a Day, where it's a five-year journal, and each day of, there's, you know, 365 pages, and on each day there's, like, a little blurb to write, like, one sentence or a small paragraph about Mm -hmm. what you did that day, and I'm in my third year of it. I started it in 2019, and I just yesterday was, for some reason, like, as after I wrote in my daily log, I was flipping through it and just like reading it and reading the events like kind of in chronological order from not only 2019, but 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, it honestly made me feel better because what I read was how different my life truly is now. Like, I am living in such a different life. Like every entry was like, went to the movie theater today, went to work, and then went out with friends. Oh, I'm planning a trip here. Um, I went to the you know flower store today and had a great conversation with the cashier. Like, you know, just like so many things that were all based on interacting with people, going out with my friends, being out in the world. And then I looked at my ones from like the last three months <laughs> and it was like, well, Stayed home again today. <laughs> Pet Did my nothing. <laughs> I have no job. I'm not going out in the world. I'm seeing the same three people. I'm doing the same thing. And not to say that like I've had it so hard, but it just seeing that true contrast and being able to look back and seeing my daily log of events every single day and how different my life is now and all of our lives are now it honestly changed my perspective that I was able to give myself some grace Mm -hmm. and give myself some, cut myself some slack that we are living in a very dark winter, literally and (laughs) metaphorically. Mm -hmm. And it is different. It is not the same. You know, some people are going back to work, but the livelihood of which we are working and in the ways we are surrounding ourselves is not the same. And I think seeing that on paper, like it's, it's it's one thing to know it, like in the back of your mind, but then to see physical evidence on paper, I was like, wow, this is proof that I need to cut myself some slack because my life right now is so different than how it used to be. Yeah, like there's definitely, you know, that kind of norm that we've just lulled into, but then you'll have those moments, like you mentioned, with reading the book where it just like kind of jolts you awake for a second and you're like, this is so bizarre. This shall pass once again. Vaccines are on the way. I'm crossing my fingers that, you know, eventually the general population will get a sufficient amount. My grandma actually got a vaccine this past week. That's amazing. Her first dose. Very excited for her. I'm actually so, so glad. I was so worried about her because she lives in Ohio in like a small town and people there are like very community. I mean, people everywhere kind of are, but it's like everyone knows everyone. Everyone always hangs out with everyone. And a lot of my extended family still lives there. And we were literally talking to them over the holidays. And they're like, oh yeah, Scott had the COVID and this and this whole family got it. And literally everyone in their town had had coronavirus, except my oh grandma. My she never got it. Gosh. And they're always like over there hanging out with her. Not now, but 
Um, and she like lives alone. She's 94. She's not in a nursing home or anything. And she was just like, yeah, just living life. And it was like so rampant there. But I'm glad that she finally got the first dose of her vaccine. And it's just a relief on me because I was very worried about her. Um, but you know, dose two coming in February. And hopefully dose one and two coming for us in the near future. Kind of a more short-term, fingers crossed for next week. That's fingers crossed for 2021. But fingers yes. crossed for next week. Um, exciting things are happening. I start my first day at my new job on Monday. Yay! I'm so excited. I went through and got my, like, HR welcome thing on my email today. And, like, went and set up my account and stuff. And I'm starting Monday morning with a Zoom with my team and meeting them and it should be good. It's like a long time coming <laughs> that I've been looking forward to this and looking for this opportunity. So um, I'm very excited. And also, I I think I've talked about on the podcast, but I actually am moving next weekend. So another yay. Yeah, big things. It's going to be quite the week. Um, I'm I think, God, looking at my calendar, a week from tomorrow is when I'm scheduled to move. Um, so Sophie and I know all about Christy's move. She has FaceTimed us probably like four different times because I've to been go over so details of indecisive her moving, helping like, us make choices. Yeah. I'm usually not the type to like get validation from other people to make my decisions, but this time something about it is just like I need to hear other people's perspectives to like help me figure out what's actually going to be the best. Um, and not just random people, but people who know you right, and know right. like what you like and what you don't like and like know you as a person because sometimes it's hard to like when you're trying to make such a hard decision it's hard to like look at yourself mm -hmm. and really analyze like what do I want what do I need where am I in my life when you're like everything else is swirling around and it so. is like a lot of pressure when it's somewhere that you're committing to living for a whole nother year at the minimum right. and then it's like you want to get it right you know so anyway Completely. um those are kind of the um upcoming exciting changes my life. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see the vlogs. Yeah, you guys, if you don't follow me on YouTube, that's where you can see the entire moving process. So check it out. I think out. moving vlogs are some of like the most fun vlogs out there. For Everybody sure. Lo everyone loves a good moving vlog. It's just I a always, nice fresh start. My fingers crossed for next week is... Um, Drum roll! Well, I don't... Oh, it's so hard for me to want to like be excited about it because it's terrifying. Because well, let me say it then. She got an interview Thank for you. a new job that she'd be really good at. Okay, oh, go on. Thank you, Christy. I appreciate that. I'm yes, so excited if, for you. I jumped up and down when I got that text. <laughs> really? Oh my God, that's so sweet. I literally read it and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> What? Not, you not, so deserve this. This is going to well, be so exciting. it's not because I'm not, like, so grateful. It's not that at all. I just, I'm kind of, like, so... Don't want to like, get over-invested? Yeah, I don't want to get, like, right. over-excited. And, and I don't want to, like... Because there's also always the possibility that a job that looks incredible on paper, you could get there and it could not be what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. So I'm, maybe that's me being a pessimist, or maybe I'm just being a realist for the first time in my life. I don't know what it is, but But that's I the kind of really thing excited. that you can't really worry about now, you know? Like, you got to worry about what's right in front of you, and what's right in front of you is the interview. So you'll at least get a good sense of, like, the team yes. and more of the role and everything when you do your interview. So you can worry yeah. about those things after, <laughs> after yes, the interview you're process. absolutely right. But I'll tell you guys a little bit about it. So it's a um, it's a part-time job. I'm actually really excited about because I am still doing other side work, like um, the podcast, as you guys know, YouTube, um, working on like some acting stuff, more pushing that to like a side category, but still I want to have the time to pursue these other side things. So it is a part-time job. Um, 
it has nice pay, which is always a wonderful plus. Yes, we love to and see it. It is a job that is so in my field. Like, I didn't think this kind of job existed until um, the employer actually reached out to me and asked me to apply, which is so incredible. And I feel really grateful for that. Um, but my experience, it's like, for once, I don't feel underqualified. Like, I know last <laughs> week I was like, every single job I've applied to, I'm so underqualified. I actually feel super qualified for this job and my niche skill experience at my various things for example like disney performing youtube acting even the podcast even the podcast like sets me up to be super qualified and i feel really confident that i could excel at this job and that i could really be an asset to their team and having that legitimate confidence is amazing yeah. it's such a nice it's a change feeling. of pace because i think a lot of us when we're trying to break into something especially in the entry-level world you're like well i'm gonna try and like pull up my big girl pants as far as i can and hope that they can't see they <laughs> don't actually you fit me mm-hmm. you know um but it literally looks like they made it for you and i'm not trying to yeah. say this like overhype and then you know set the expectations too high but when i read it i was like did sierra write this for herself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally like I have never seen a job position like it. It's essentially like being a spokesperson slash Vanna White slash interviewer slash entertainment host slash um, content creator for an independent company. Um, yeah, that may sound confusing, but if obviously if I get the job, I'll give more details. Um, if I don't, you'll never hear from me again. <laughs> yes, that is my fingers crossed for next week. Um, they're going to contact me on Monday or Tuesday to give me my time slot for my Google google meet interview uh which will be with the hiring manager and two other or the hiring ceo person and then two other managers i think so right on anyway our fingers are all crossed crossed. for you big things happening anyway so that was quite the hefty life update from us um hope you guys are doing well Well, you know you just said hefty that made me think of uh, hefty 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 stinky 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 hefty 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 yeah (laughs) yeah not sponsored by hefty uh trash bags but very excited to say that this episode of Fingers Crossed is sponsored by the one and only Care Of. And if you don't know, Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. So it is basically a really cool system where you can take an online quiz. It's an in-depth five-minute super quick quiz that gives you, it's like a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist with all without leaving your house. So then they tell you their recommendations based on your personal needs. And then all of their products are formulated with good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by science, and you get them tailored to you in just a little individually wrapped packet that makes it easy to remember to take them and easy to get back into a routine with it. And now that we're in a new year in 2021, you can make taking better care of yourself and your health a new year's resolution by making it easy with care of. I personally love using care of because their little packets are so cute and it reminds me to take it because they have these little like inspirational quotes or fun facts on them, on the packets themselves. And it was so helpful to get their advice on what kind of vitamins I should be taking because it can be really daunting when you're in the giant vitamin aisle at the grocery store and you just feel overwhelmed and then you leave. But no, Care-of helps you make those decisions and pick the best ones suited for you. For 50% off of your first Care-of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code FINGERSCROSSED50. That's the number five zero. Again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code fingers crossed 50. This episode is actually gonna be a little bit different than what we've done. We've done kind of like a Q and A here and there, 
but we wanted to do a question answers that was not necessarily about us in our lives, even though we just talked about us for 25 minutes, but we wanted to we do something. We love to talk about ourselves. And that's why we have a podcast to listen to ourselves. <laughs> um, we wanted to do something where we could potentially help you guys out by doing an advice Q&A. So I asked on the podcast Instagram at fingers crossed pod, you already know, go follow. Um, if you guys had any questions or advice situations that you'd love to hear our perspectives on. Yeah, so we're essentially call us Amy. I'm Amy. Christy is Amy. And today we ask Amy our advice column. Because I don't know if you guys, you haven't asked Amy in my local paper growing up. We had an ask Amy column and it was right next to the horoscopes and the comics. And I would read it every morning and she was great. And she would always do all these great advice about things. I even wrote into her once. but Should she, she use it? Oh, no, damn. it was probably, I mean, I was literally in the sixth grade. I guarantee what I wrote was not something that the average, like, <laughs> paper reader would want to write. It was probably like, I have a boy in my class and I have a crush on him. Our first question up is, what is one thing you wish someone would have told you upon graduating college? Wow, so many things. I feel like that was such a tumultuous time. There's so much, like, that just felt like it was looming. And maybe this is what I will sum up and say is, you have time in your life like life is so long and full of surprises and you have your entire life to figure out your dream job and to figure out your passions and to figure out all of those things and I'm not saying to not work hard and to not like you know go for gold and all of that but just to not put so much pressure on yourself and to give yourself grace and to just um, realize that it's a transition time and for some people that transition is they've got a job right out of college and they can jump in some people that transition is a few months and maybe you're adjusting to moving out maybe you're adjusting to a new city you know but just to kind of go with the flow and find things that make you happy that don't necessarily have to be like being gung-ho about your career you know finding other things that are just fulfilling about life in general making new friends exploring new things in your city finding new hobbies new passions that you know life is so well rounded if you're lucky and that there are more things to discover besides just you know working nine to five and building that life so I think that that's just my advice is to give yourself grace and realize it's all a process nice that is very true i think so many people even if you like know it but don't actually believe it the sense that like you have so much time to accomplish the goals and dreams you set for yourself and so many people like say that but then immediately just feel like a failure if they don't achieve it on try one and yeah i think that's so true what you said is that like even those things when you graduate college and have this idea of the ideal life for you, those will change and you have so much time to figure out what that is. Um, so I think that's really good. Mine's kind of related to that, but I was just going to say that you never stop learning. And I know that sounds obvious, mm. but it's like going out of college, you kind of think like, oh, my formal education is done, but there's so much more. I feel like I've learned so much more since college than I did in college in some ways. Lifelong learning is such a valuable tool and you shouldn't turn down opportunities to keep learning in other ways after college. So always seek out different ways to like add to your own, you know, skill set and learn from different people and their experiences. And I just think it's important to always seek out opportunities to learn, even if you're not in school. So that's kind of what I would say. Um, yeah. But I think that goes along with what you're saying too, is that there's so much time and so many different opportunities to find your path and like learn what's right for you. So. Yeah, focusing on becoming a, you know, whole 
well-rounded person you yeah. know that, that that comes from so many different things Definitely. Um, so next up we have how to handle being the single friend or third wheel um depends on what situation yeah it's in i feel like it could be different like if it's just every single week you and your friends go to the same trivia night and um you know there are couples there and you're single and you don't have someone on your team you know things like that where it's like a constant reminder i guess it just depends on like what part of being the single friend bothers you because it's such a broad topic um yeah like make sure are, are they the kind of friends that are like being super like pda and like making you feel kind of ostracized yeah or, or like, like are they making with it everybody pointing it out um, to you somehow not always but i've generally liked my friends significant others and i like hanging out with them um and so it's never been i don't know i've never really had that like feeling of oh god it's so obvious that i'm the single friend like i'm just a friend hanging out with other friends so that's yeah i think different. it depends on the dynamic you know pay yeah. attention to the dynamic between how they treat you and how they treat each other and do you like all these people as individuals and i think it's perfectly acceptable if there's like a thing that's happening and there's like say three couples that are all going to a movie and they invite you you know you can say well do i like all these people and their values and what they stand for as individuals and if so you can just think about it like you're hanging out with a group of of individual friends sorry it's just funny to think about sitting in a theater silently next to people and like making sure your values align in order to watch a movie in darkness okay well <laughs> perhaps I'm just talking about hanging out in general yeah yeah is that they're individuals whom you're all friends with instead of just that they are couples and you're alone that maybe by shifting your mindset a little bit that might help you but another great idea is to bring along a friend if there's um you know something that's going on and say they're like th- a couple or a few couples bring one of your friends it doesn't have to be romantically like a blind date but just bring along another friend for you to hang with i think it's just about having a balance of friends too and like you might not always have the luxury of you know being the most compatible friends with your friends significant others and that's not realistic to think that like you would always want to hang out with them one-on-one necessarily um but just kind of having a balance and knowing when you know maybe you have a few couple friends that you do love to weekly get dinner with or whatever but also having more just like a couple friends that are also single that you can like go out with on weekends and you have like a similar dynamic and you're all kind of like you know in a similar stage because it is kind of different Mm -hmm. um but i'd say it's just about like knowing your dynamics with people and trying to find a balance among your friends beyond that Um, If you're constantly noticing and feeling like you're ostracized as a single friend, um, if it's not anything that they're doing, it might just be your own insecurity that you're kind of like projecting on yourself. It's not like anyone is doing anything to make you feel that way. It might just be that you feel, you know, you're just putting pressure on yourself like, oh, I should have someone here, blah, blah, blah. Um, But just like go easy on yourself and know that that will come in time and you would rather be there as a single friend than be there with a person who you're not actually happy in a relationship with so yeah totally i think it's also um last thing on this topic is it's really important to um communicate with your friends who do have significant others if you feel like you are not getting accurate or um adequate face time i guess what i'm trying to say is like 
if you have a friend that has a boyfriend and they're always bringing their boyfriend everywhere and like you have you know plans for the two of you and then they like bring their boyfriend or you know or with a girlfriend vice versa that it's really important to communicate you know respectfully how you feel and to say you know hey next time we hang out I would really love if we could just have some time one-on-one to have some girl time um and just keep it just us because I really miss you and want to catch up just us and I think sometimes when someone's in a relationship romantically and they're so happy and they love their significant other, they often forget that the other people in the room don't have that same connection with that person. Mm -hmm. And so um, it gets easy to forget sometimes that maybe someone wants a little one-on-one time or if it's, you know, just a girl's night to not bring the significant others, you know, every once in a while. And I think that just making sure that if you're feeling those feelings towards a friend that, oh, well, they always bring their significant other and I never get any time just one-on-one with them to communicate that to them and just in a friendly way express that you'd like some... Um, just some friend time. And I think that most friend, mature friends will hear that and understand that and make, make concessions. Totally. Communication is always key because no one is a mind reader. That's for sure. Okay, the mm-hmm. next question we have is best advice for moving. Very relevant to me. Starting the process for a local move and dreading it. Girl, boy, whoever asked this, I feel you. It is stressful. You know, I kind of feel like moving is the kind of thing where once you do it, like I moved a year and a half ago now, so it's been a little bit of time, your brain kind of just like erases the pain of it, of like how stressful it was. And then I'm like starting from square one. I'm like, I don't remember how to move. But um, I am definitely going through that process right now. I haven't exactly started packing, but I'm getting boxes tomorrow. So it's going to be very real. But I would say um, I have a week. So what I'm going to do, this is just my personal strategy is to plan it out and do it in steps so it's not just like oh my god today is the day I'm kicked out of my apartment I haven't done anything and I'm gonna like collapse from being overwhelmed by this but if you just break it off into pieces into like tiny bites that you can actually chew and doing your kitchen one day and then just having those boxes off to the side and just planning it out I think and like approaching it in more of a step-by-step process is going to make it so much easier on you, especially if you're like me, you live alone and you're doing it by yourself. Um, Or if you don't live alone, but just like communicating with those roommates, whoever you live with, and making a plan together um, and just kind of like working together to tackle it. Or if you're alone, just knowing and setting a schedule for yourself of how you want to approach it. And then it won't be as stressful on the day of because you'll have it, you know, slowly put together rather than all at once. Yeah, I absolutely agree. When Jason and I were moving in together um, in July of 2019, we my lease was up at my current place on July 31st, and we specifically um, started a lease at our new place on July 15th. We started a mid a mid month lease, and not every place is this flexible. But some places you can negotiate it to like prorate it, where you like pay an extra week yeah. or whatever to figure that out, and. I recognize that not everyone is always in a financial place to do this, but if you can pay for one week extra of rent or even two weeks so you can start your lease mid-month when your other one is up at the end of the month, and like Christy said, give yourself not having to do it all in one day, but like two weeks to do it so you can kind of go in some trips or do a few things. Um, You know, you can have a kitchen day. You can have a bedroom day. You know, you can have things like that. It makes it so much easier. And also to, you know, unpack a few things in the apartment before you've even gotten everything there. That was a huge blessing for us as well because we were able to, like, set up a few of our furniture things before we brought in, 
like a gajillion boxes. Um, So that was definitely my biggest advice. If you're in a financial place to do that, that makes a huge, huge difference. But even if you are hiring movers, but getting a friend to hang with you during the day, if you are able to, obviously COVID times, this is different, but under regular times, getting a friend to hang with you and sort of be there and support, help you, you know, get things together, take a lunch break with you, be someone to vent if something goes wrong and one of your favorite boxes bottoms out and you need to cry like just having somebody or a parent or just someone you love there with you if you can during the process I think would help ease that a little bit yeah definitely um I would also say if you can order boxes to your new place like things that will arrive the day before the day that you get there and they'll be like safe somewhere definitely do that um, and kind of like be aware, you know, so you're going to have toilet paper in your new place. This is just like a small thing, but things that you might not think about, kind of think ahead and make a list of things that you want to order to the new place or a piece of furniture that you know you're going to want there that you don't already have um, and order them kind of in advance so that you have time to get them and make sure that they'll be held there or something by the package place. Um, But yeah, definitely just I would say planning is key because I'm not much of a planner as we've established if you listen to last week's episode, but when it comes to moving, I feel like you can't really do that super spontaneously. Like you got to know what you're doing and what you're packing. So that is next on my agenda. This weekend, I'm going to go through and make a list and a schedule of like my goal of what to pack each day and how to tackle it. But yes, um, I feel for you, whoever is out there moving, uh, Godspeed with your move. I think it'll be a fun, exciting, it's always an exciting thing. I always think of it as like an exciting, fresh start. Um, So you got to just put yourself in a positive mindset, plan ahead, and I'm sure it'll be fabulous. So Best of luck. Okay. Yes, best of luck to you. (laughs) Uh, Next we have, oh, this is a big question. How not to be afraid and just take a leap in life. I feel like we kind of touched on this in our independence episode because we talked a lot about, you know, how do you know when you're ready to move out on your own or how do you know when to do this in your life or make these decisions for yourself, etc. So this kind of overlaps with that. Um... But I think ultimately, harking back to what I said in that episode, is that if you wait until you feel ready, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life. And, you know, I don't know exactly what kind of leap you're talking about in this question, so it's hard to answer specifics. But I would say if you're thinking about it and you feel, you know, a little bit hesitant, you just got to go for it and hold your breath and just take the first step, honestly. Um, and like put one foot in and the rest will follow. And, um, yeah, I mean, how not to be afraid is that you're always going to be afraid, but it's about doing things in spite of fear. You know, that's the classic courage is not the absence of fear. You know, I hear it in the grandpa from (laughs) Princess Diaries. Christy, you can't, I literally pulled that. I was going to read it. I literally. Oh yeah. Well, it's the most generic thing that everyone thinks about when they think of Courage is not the absence of fear, Mia. It is merely the... I'm not reading it directly. Well, I'm going to read it. <laughs> okay, Sierra can do it in the voice. As somebody said this, because this is a thing that I... I've struggled with so much is like, when will I stop being afraid? When will I stop being afraid to call that person, um, go to that audition, apply for that job, um, change my hair color? Like, whatever it is, be it a grand thing or a small thing, 
Like Chrissy said, we are always gonna be afraid. It's a biological response to protect us, to protect us from scary things. And so there's no way you can turn off your biology and not be afraid. I think it's just like what Christy said, it's doing things in spite of it. So I'm gonna get real cliche on you now and read the Princess Diaries quote that Mia, when she was going to run away, and she pulled out this letter from her dad that he had written before he passed, and it says this. It speaks to me. It says, Amelia, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. The brave may not live forever, but the cautious do not live at all. From now on, you'll be traveling the road between who you think you are and who you can be. The key is to allow yourself to make the journey. And I know that that's really cliche and it's a cliche movie quote, but it is so true. And I remember like two years ago when I was going through auditions and new to LA, I accidentally stumbled upon that quote like on Pinterest or something and I like started (laughs) crying because I was like, this speaks to me. So even though it's a cheesy movie quote, um, if you're scared to make a leap because you're living in fear, don't think that there's something wrong with you because you're afraid. Because the truth is we're all afraid and life is scary and stepping outside of your comfort zone is scary. And anyone who tells you that there's nothing to be afraid of stepping outside of your comfort zone is a bucket of nuts because it is scary. But the key is, like he said, is to do it anyway because if you are waiting till you're ready, you're never going to be ready. Yeah, and I think especially from that quote, um, I forgot about that part of but the judgment that something else is more important than fear, I think that's so key. So whatever Mm -hmm. this leap is that you're thinking about or, you know, kind of nervous about, think about the outcome and the potential good that can come from it. And is that more important to you than the fear of doing it, you know, and failing? Um, which is a the big brave thing. brave may not live forever, but the cautious do not, do not live, live at all. all. Why do all of these quotes sound like they need to be in a British accent? <laughs> Amelia. Amelia. <laughs> I am Lady Whistledown. Encourage is not the absence of fear. But, my dear societies, it is oh rather that judgment is more important than fear. And the brave may not live forever. But, my dear readers, the cautious do not live at all. <laughs> Can we please do an episode exclusively of Sierra and the Lady Whistledown, Julie Andrews' voice? I know, God. And I totally butchered that, guys. I promise you. That is a very poor representation of my actual British accent dialect training. That's just me imitating Lady Whistledown. So just to give a disclaimer there. Lady Whistledown. Also, like, is that a real name? Is anyone named Whistledown? I I don't know. They probably just made up something that sounded like, I don't know, mysterious and British. It sounds like um, that rabbit Peter Peter Cottontail? <laughs> I guess that's what I'm thinking of. Dear readers, my the... name is Peter Cottontail, and I'm here the with word. the society <laughs> listeners. Yeah, next week I'll introduce our episode in my Lady Whistledown voice, so you guys can look forward to that. Perfect. Anyway, hopefully you got some good, I don't know if that was helpful advice, but if you are, you know, pondering this leap, just think about what could be on the other side and not think about the, the possibility of falling in the leap. Think about the good that could come from it. Okay, the next one says, advice on how you guys stay connected. Get connected for free with Education Connection. Connection. Why are we so full of like weird jingles and quotes today? Like hefty trash bags, Education Connection. Well, actually, I would say the podcast definitely helps us be a lot more consistent with being 
connected. And I don't say that, I mean, even before the podcast, Sierra and I were talking every single day, even if it was just like, you know, we were both really busy and we just like sent each other a meme on Twitter, you know, and it was, we just Mm -hmm. always have some sort of chat going. I think social media makes it so easy and like just seeing each other's stories, even in those busy times of like what they're up to and responding and just always being in contact. Um, But the, the podcast has definitely made us like FaceTime more regularly because we both well, are on different us, schedules too. It's given us a project. I think that prior to quarantine starting and prior to us having the podcast, there were times where I think we really lapsed in communication for a bit and I think it was hard and I like it's sad when you're like, oh, like I know my friend is like out there living their best life, but like we like don't talk that much and I feel like, well, it's, it is hard when it's like you are on different time zones and yeah. both working all day. And then it's like, by the time Sierra also, gets off work of a late night restaurant shift, I'm asleep on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, that was that's exactly it. I'm not blaming you in any way. I feel like I worked nights at the restaurant and then I worked day shifts at Disneyland on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So my friends who worked traditional jobs where they were in the office Monday through Friday during daylight hours, that's when I was off. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends, I was working all day. So plus the time zones, it was very difficult for us to be connected. So for that sure. was really hard. And um, so when people think that we stay so well connected, I just want to like be fully transparent that it wasn't always so easy. You know, there have definitely been times when it's been tough and it sucks when you have a best friend that you feel like you don't speak to as much as you'd like because it it makes you feel guilty on your part if you haven't had the time to reach out or your schedule hasn't matched up. And then you also feel like, oh, well, they haven't reached out to me, but I know they're busy. So you're just like constantly rationalizing it, but while also dealing with feeling sad about it. So I just wanted to say that it's not it hasn't always been perfect, but yeah, like Christy said... and it never said, is going to be perfect either. No. But I think it's about finding opportunity in ways that you both can, like, especially if you're, like, living long distance from your friend and both have opposite schedules, kind of like that, but finding ways that you could both work in downtime that connects, kind of like how over quarantine we started, I mean, it's kind of fizzled a little bit, we started a book club with I our friends. I will read the book. I yeah, Sierra's two months late on our latest book, so. I'm sorry. I will read it. I will. <laughs> um. Anyway, so it's kind of like, yes, we're connected in the sense that we're both reading this, or all three of us, four of us, however many are doing it, are reading it at the same time. Even if your downtimes don't match up and you can't FaceTime because that person's working while you're whatever, you're both reading it. You have a date set for, you know, an hour that you're going to FaceTime and talk about the book. You can, like, text about it in between. And it's kind of just like making use of your downtime in a way that connects you but has something to look forward to of like keeping that connection and just having like other things um that you're like talking about too I think it's it's just a good motivator I would say if you're having a hard time finding ways that match up for you to stay connected with your friends like finding little ways like that I think is really helpful completely I think yeah like you said having a book club um, utilizing um, the Netflix party or Amazon party. Oh, yeah, we always watch, watch a new together. show together because you can, like, do the live chat during the show when mm-hmm. you watch together. So that's a huge thing because I think having an activity or a project is key because you're not only motivated by seeing the friend, but sometimes without an activity or project, it gets very easy to push it to the side and be like, oh, we'll just talk tomorrow. We'll mm-hmm. just talk tomorrow if, if you don't have an actual activity. But adding in the activity really motivates you to stick to it. Um, And it's kind of like, like, well, you were probably going to watch Netflix anyway. Might as well watch it with your friend and text about it, you know? Exactly. Or um, another one is uh, like doing an online yoga video together or something. Like say, okay, every Wednesday 
in the morning before we go to work, we're going to do an online yoga video together. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like, oh, well, I'm not waking up at 7 a.m. just so that we can like talk. It's we're waking up at 7 a.m. so we can do a workout that I wanted to do anyway, but we're doing it together over FaceTime. Right. So um, things like that, I think having an activity or a project makes a huge difference. Um, You can also do, I know something Sophie does with her friends a lot is um, like online games like board games like like uh you can play like settlers of Catan or like online monopoly or like other kinds of games with your friends over your computer yeah um so i know that those are some fun things you can do too that allow you to chat and catch up but while also doing an activity totally Um, so lots of good things yeah definitely next we have an email that says first just wanted to say i really love your podcast and i'm looking forward to every new episode thank you i know this is a bit long but please read through it there's a turning point thank you a lot for your effort that's very nice Okay, so the reason I'm writing is my old best friend. We've been friends for four years now, but the last two years I didn't really know if I saw her as my best friend or not still. Now in quarantine, I didn't even miss her. I just think we've drifted apart. Also, I keep getting annoyed at her since she talks a lot about herself and seems to find herself the most interesting. Some years ago, we were together every day, but now even our humor isn't the same anymore. I just can't laugh about most of her jokes. But here's the point. I know she still really cares about me and she keeps reaching out and telling me I'm her best friend. I have OCD, it's better now, but she's worried about me and writes me very kind letters. On top of that, we're in the same friend group of four different people, and when I tried getting away from her the last time, they all thought I didn't like them all. But still, she often says things that hurt me. I don't know if it's on purpose. Just thinking of her puts me in a bad mood because I've held on to that problem for so long. I don't know what to do. Thank you so much for brightening my weeks. Your podcast is my favorite. Greetings from Germany. Okay, so that is such a tough topic because I think we can all relate to the feeling of having friendships. We kind of did an episode around this a little bit that we touched on drifting Mm -hmm. away from friends, uh, if you haven't listened to that. But growing up, part of growing up and, you know, learning about yourself and changing and getting older is drifting apart from people. And it can be really hard, especially when it's someone that you've been close with for so long that you feel so invested in this already. But I would have to say, it sounds harsh, but it's kind of like weighing the perks and like weighing the ups and downs of having this person as a friend. And if this person is causing you more stress and bringing you down more than they're adding to your life... I don't know if it's worth it anymore just because you had a past with someone. And I think just because you have a history with someone, um, even if it's a childhood friend, doesn't mean that your future is always going to align. And that can be a really hard pill to swallow. Um, But it is important to just be honest with yourself. And if you even noticed this year during quarantine, you didn't miss her. um, I think that's very telling of the situation. Yeah, it's... It's easier when two people recognize that at the same time that their Mm. current paths don't really align anymore and they just sort of naturally drift. But it's much harder when one party doesn't take the hint or one party's not getting it. And so they kind of just start clinging tighter and tighter, especially if they notice you kind of drifting a little bit or like distancing yourself. And as tough as it is, I feel like it's kind of like in a relationship you can't just ghost someone in that situation. Right. Like, as hard as it is. You definitely have to have a conversation with that. Like, I can't imagine having to have that conversation. I've had that conversation with people where it was mutual, but I haven't 
had that conversation with somebody um, where it wasn't mutual. I mean, with like a guy I was dating, yeah, but not like with a friend being like having to essentially break up with a friend with someone who didn't want a friend break up with you. But I think it's the it's the right thing to do because otherwise that friend will just always wonder and wonder what happened, what happened, like, did I not reach out enough? Did I not do this? But like, I think like Kristen, as hard as it is, I think a conversation, a really kind and constructive conversation, but a conversation nonetheless. And I also think if you are in a friend group um, where you don't want to distance yourself from everyone in the friend group, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Christy, but I think that you could say to the other, obviously in private, but say to the other friends, like, I've been having a hard time feeling connected with friend number A. Um, I said number A, letter A. <laughs> I've been having a hard time connecting with XOXO, friend letter A. Letter A, Pretty you know. Um, <laughs> but I love you guys and I still want to, you know, be friends with you. But I'm just, I, if I seem distant right now, that's why I'm trying to figure out this path because I'm feeling a little distanced and frustrated. Just like communicating that. But I think you should honestly have a conversation with friend A before you to, like confide in the other friends about it. Because that could feel very like going behind their back and like kind of conniving if they found out about it you know like they would feel very offended by that so I would say as much as you might think like you can make all the assumptions you want about how they feel about you and maybe you're right that they're like much more invested and still want to be your best friend so that is touchy but you don't actually know what they're thinking and they might be feeling deep down maybe similarly maybe not as strongly but you can just approach it like hey um I don't know if you've noticed this but this is how I feel our relationship has changed. What do you think from your perspective? And just, I think, again, it's really hard, but they're not a mind reader and neither are you. So it's important for you to hear their perspective too, instead of just assuming what they want out of the friendship Mm -hmm. and just having an honest conversation and telling them nicely, um, hey, this is how I've been feeling, making sure you're using those I statements and not trying to blame them. Like, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily go to that friend and be like, you're the most selfish person ever and you always talk about yourself. Like, that's not productive. Um, but you could just say, I feel like I'm not necessarily heard in this friendship or just focus on how your dynamic and how it's changed makes you feel and just be honest with them. Maybe it is something that you can repair. Maybe it's something where you acknowledge that it's different. You still want to maintain contact. You still do care for each other, just in a much smaller capacity. Um, But just like being honest is key because the longer you hold this in and think this, you're going to harbor more and more resentment for this person. And then the little things that didn't bother you before are going to like stack up and bother the hell out of you. And And then one day you might blow up at them and then it might be terrible, you know, so. Or any chance you had at repairing the friendship, you might ruin it Mm -hmm. by letting it fester instead of addressing it now while you still can. For sure. So it's important to like, I mean, at this point it's been some time, but um as early as you can and just gently approaching subjects and asking how they feel and it might be more mutual than you think um but it's not you shouldn't blame yourself for it it's such a part of life and if you weren't growing apart from people and you weren't having changing relationships with anyone in your life like you wouldn't be growing as a person so right it does suck but you know i think they'll understand if you just explain your point of view and how you feel and um, hopefully you can at least, even if you don't fully walk away, but end it on a, like, better note and having a mutual understanding with someone rather than just, like, leaving them high and yeah, dry and can, wondering. If it doesn't work out or if this friend A doesn't um, 
doesn't receive it well or throws it back in your face or nothing is improved, you at least can know that you're you moved on having done the right thing and having having taken the high road. So I I got a question for myself personally that says, Sierra, how did you know when it was right to move in with your boyfriend? I got a couple questions about this. Um, yeah, living with Jason is the first time I've lived with a boyfriend. I had never moved in with a boyfriend before that. Um, and honestly, I just think this is one where you got to go with your gut. Um, if your gut, especially as a woman or a female identifying person, like going into living with someone in your life, like, and you just like, obviously you want to think about your safety or like, you know, what is right for you? Or are you moving too fast or like anything like that? I just think your gut and your intuition is such a strong force with that. And if there's any hesitation, cause I know I had a boyfriend before who wanted me to move in with him and I was like, oh yeah, that would be so fun. But in the back of my mind, I just had this feeling that was like, I'm going to regret that. Or like, I'm not ready for that. Or I'm, I think it's too soon. I'm just so grateful I listened to that because I was 100% right. I was 100% right. And when it comes to Jason, I mean, as far as like what, where we were physically spending our time, I was spending like three nights a week at his place and he was spending like three nights a week at my place. So it was almost like we were living together already. We didn't like spending time like the night apart, even if we weren't like always hanging out together. We liked being able to like, you know, oh, I hung out with my friend, but afterwards I was going to come back to his apartment and we would like watch a movie and hang out. Mm -hmm. Um, It just sort of felt like we were already living together, but paying two rents. And when I th- we talked about moving in together, we had been dating for about a year, and I just thought about it with myself, like, long and hard, and I was like, would it really be any different than how it is now, except we would have our clothes in the same dresser? Like, would it really be any different? And I thought about it. My intuition didn't give me any, like, no's, or I didn't have any, like, weird worries or hesitations or fears in the back of my mind. I yeah. mean, obviously, I, I knew it was going to be something different and something new, but I didn't feel any fear. I didn't feel any hesitation. I was like, no, this is my next adventure. Let's give it a try. And I was 100% right. And there's been no issues. I mean, obviously, like, I prefer one color palette for the living room and he prefers a different color palette and we're working that out as far as our interior design. But I mean, as far as real issues and real problems, like, it's been such a blessing. So I would say my two biggest pieces of advice are to... Think about how much time you're really spending with each other, especially if you're like spending the night at their place or anything like that. And like how much time you're spending doing that. And would you be saving money and time by just like knocking one place out um, and doing that? Uh, And then also just asking yourself your intuition and your gut, like, does this feel right? Do I feel safe? Do I feel ready? Does it feel like the right thing? Um, Because I know in some relationships there have been times where people are like, oh, I love spending time at my significant other's house, but I'm still like not sure that this is my lifetime relationship. I'm still working it out. I'm still figuring it out. And I like having the security of having my own place. If you're still feeling like that, it's not right to move in together. Yeah. I think you need to be like ready and you're like, no, this is, this is what like, this is absolutely the right decision. And I think if you ask yourself in your, in your heart, you'll know what the answer is. You just have to be willing to listen to yourself. Yeah, that makes me think of a tweet from this guy we went to college with who's a comedian. And he said, "Uh, my girlfriend always asks why I still have my own place when I sleep here every night. And I haven't thought of a nice way to say breakup insurance. (laughs) 
yeah i mean i know that's yeah that's kind of what i was thinking of it's a comedy thing but it's like if you are feeling like you want to keep your own place because of breakup insurance then i think there's a greater issue at play there's something holding Um, you back for there's something holding you back Mm -hmm. and whether it's your own insecurities and your own issues you need to work through first um sort of like brendan on the bachelorette with taisha or is it because you need more security with them like are they making you feel uncertain unsafe you know whatever it is um so i just think and sometimes you don't know how to work through all those feelings on your own, but really talking with someone you trust, whether it's a parent, a best friend, a sister, a brother, whoever, who you really trust, who you know would not, you know, have it get back to them, but really work through your feelings about it. Sometimes by bringing it out loud, you can help your own intuition find clarity. Yeah. And I think it's also important to kind of like weigh the opportunity cost, kind of like what you mentioned. Is there going to be more benefits and more opportunities like for your relationship to grow, to learn more about each other, whatever, than there are costs of giving up your individual space? Like, what are you gaining from this and does it outweigh, you know, what you think you're losing? So uh, I think that yeah. that will be telling because I think that is tied in with intuition is like you have to be logical, but also your gut will pull you in the right direction against Completely. the logic too. So. Yeah, and again, I just, I can't reiterate this enough. If there's a nagging voice in the back of your head that's saying, like, "Mm, I'm not sure this is the right decision, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and the last question that we're going to end on for this lovely episode is, drumroll, how do you deal with How to deal with burnout. Okay, yes, thank you much. (laughs) Lady whistled out. Anyway, so how to deal with burnout, these uncertain times, quotes, make focusing hard. Amen, sister. This is quite the question because burnout is very real, especially when it's like in quarantine times of us doing our work and our relaxing and everything in one place. Like I think that makes burnout even more probable, I would say. Um, Because I don't know, I think your environment makes a big difference about how you're able to like unwind and relax from work if that's like what you're burning out from that's generally what it would be and um not having that separation of space like kind of confuses your mind a little bit so you might still be in work mode in your home so it's like Mm -hmm. it just rapidly makes you burn out faster in some ways I don't know I um I don't know if there's an easy answer for it but just kind of knowing yourself and managing your stress levels and how you like find outlets that revive you in times of stress instead of just like going full speed ahead on that thing that's burning you out but like letting yourself take detours and um, put your energy into other things I would say I think yeah it's we want to keep ourselves at the capacity that we were pre-quarantine and like be like oh well I know I have the stamina to do this I know I have the mental capacity to do this Mm -hmm. but like we said earlier we're not living the same lives. It's not like you have an eight-hour shift at work at your office and then afterwards you go have a happy hour drink with friends and then you go home, you spend time with your significant other and then you go for uh, to the gym and you see a bunch of people. It's not like you're like having that normal schedule of life. in different places, yeah. You know, where you get to like do a combination of like athletic things and fun things and all these things and then being at your job and like actually socializing going to board meetings not wearing a mask like it's just we're not in the same (laughs) world so it makes sense that your energy and your capacity for burnout is not the same threshold that Mm -hmm. just only makes sense something that a mistake i make personally is to give myself too much of a block to work on one thing and if i'm at home and i'm like okay i'm gonna work on this youtube video until it's done 
even if it takes me six hours, like that makes me burn out so fast and then I don't want to do anything the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. I get like resentful for my work. I don't want to do anything. And all I want to do is sit at like a lump on the couch and not be bothered. Versus what I tried the other day that worked great for me, which was I set a two hour block after I got up and had breakfast. I set a two hour work block. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay, I'm going to apply to jobs for two hours. When those two hours are up, I'm stopping. And granted, I went over by like 10 minutes because I was actually submitting an application. So it was ended up being two hours and 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that was over, I had a snack and then I went and played tennis. And then after we played tennis, I came home, took a shower. I did another two hour work block. And then I had dinner. And then after dinner, I did a puzzle with my family for an hour. And then I did another two hour work block. And it was like by doing that and breaking up the day, I didn't burn out the entire day. And I felt really actually excited for my work blocks because... I had given myself enough time to let my mind reset, to refocus, and in each work block, I did something different. In the first work block, I applied to jobs. In the second work block, I worked on YouTube stuff. And in the third work block, I did research on like medical professionals and some other like research I needed to do. And I like kept them separate. And then it gave me energy to work on each one. So that is kind of a random tip, sort of like our last week's organization episode, but that is a practice I'm going to continue to try and employ for myself while I am working at home and I am figuring this out. And I realize that if you are working from home and you need to be like on call between eight and five and whatever, and you don't always have the luxury of doing two hour blocks, you can still take like do a two hour block and then walk around your neighborhood for 15 minutes and then come back. You know, there's little ways you can break up the day. Um, Yeah, I'd say it's definitely hard like when you're on a strict schedule of nine to five um, to not burn out in that sense. I feel like I was this, well, I guess when I was in an office, I was so much more productive in the early hours before lunch. And then in the afternoon, like I would just like mentally go in and out and was not like full force there all the time, Um, which isn't necessarily like a long-term kind of burnout. But I think it's important to, like we talked about in the organization episode, along with your time, like you said, managing time with time blocking, but also manage your energy spikes and be aware of when you're the most productive and when you get your spurts of energy and kind of organizing your day around that. If you're kind of trying to plan out your work schedule for the day, if you have some kind of wiggle room of different projects that you're juggling, um, but just knowing when you have the best energy for it and managing it so you're not forcing yourself to put off all the tough tasks until the end of the day when you know you're low energy um but just kind of prioritizing that way I would say and like Sierra said if you can fit in little you know little breaks at home even if you have like a two minute stretch break between calls and you just have that to like look forward to um or just like going to make a coffee in your kitchen or something like that Um, just kind of resets, I think helps like having it. So you're not just 100% of the day staring at the same screen and doing the same thing. Um, but having little resets that kind of like restart you for the next task. So long-term burnout, I would say it's important to have hobbies and other things outside of work. Um, and like side hustles, if you're like, uh, starting an Etsy shop or like something that is an outlet that recharges you that you're excited to have time to do after work instead of spending that time like mulling around and then thinking about all the work you have to do the next day like have other things that you can focus on that also bring you joy 
and like knitting hats for your nieces or something like that. Just anything that has a different project that you're putting energy into that doesn't put your mind in that same work mode that might contribute to your burnout, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, theme of this episode, just give yourself grace, give yourself a break, cut yourself a little slack and recognize that if your threshold for burnout is like so much lower than it used to be, like recognize you're not alone and that that is so common because your life is not what it used to be. I need to say this advice and then actually take it to heart for myself. (laughs) You know, I'm so great at giving advice and so terrible at listening to it. Um, Anyway, that is kind of our um, episode for the day, week. Tuesday. It was like a whole bunch of mini episodes in one, like a bunch of mini, mini sods. Yeah, I mean, we do tend to kind of focus in on one topic related to these in every episode, um, but we thought it would be good to hear from you guys what kind of advice you were looking for at the moment and what kind of struggles you're going through. We also got a lot of career-focused ones, so we are going to do an episode yes. in the near future that's just kind of focused on that because we didn't want it to completely take over our entire episode. Um, so look forward yeah, but to a that. a lot of questions about um, interviewing, finding your dream job, finding your passion. What is a passion? How do you find it? Like a lot of things on that note that we think are such great ideas for an episode. And we just want to spend a little more time formulating that into like a proper episode. So, um, but yes, we definitely are really excited to touch on that. And that will be coming soon. Um, so stay tuned for that, like Christy said. Make and sure you're meantime, subscribed to the podcast yes. so then you get a notice when we upload them, which is every Tuesday at 6 a.m. So Well, we are we are singing a lot in this episode. I know, it's just, fingers again. crossed, the musical. <laughs> uh, there's just so much joy in the world this week. But yes, we um, are really excited to see you guys next week. We are always here every Tuesday. And subscribe, like I said, you can rate us on the Apple Podcast app. If you would like five stars, would be really appreciated. Just so you if know. you're enjoying the podcast, yes, yes. Thank you for being here. We love you guys. Keep your chin up. This too shall pass. Um, it is not the road in front of you that matters, but the chi- what? 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 I'm trying to. Are quote you trying to freaking- quote the? Oh, uh, <laughs> courage I think is that was a hybrid, Amelia. But- courage is not the absence of fear. I think I accidentally just did a hybrid of the Princess Diaries letter and the hill we climb. I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> Anyway, all uh, the inspirational quotes in Sierra's brain are, like, merging together. They're all muddling together. But, yeah, have come a out good like- day. Listen to Amanda Gorman's speech again if you guys need some more motivation. That'll definitely help it's, in any sort of it midday It honestly slump. is so incredible. She is incredible. It's incredible. Her life is I think incredible. I want to buy her book. I think she has a poetry book. I literally, in this episode, was talking about, I really want to read her poetry. Let me know what book I should buy. And I just remembered that she has a poetry book. So I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, you know that that classic trope of, like, put a bunch of monkeys in a room with the and eventually they'll like type out the entire works of Shakespeare or whatever. Or I like have if you, never heard that trope in my life. <laughs> anyway, but or the thing that's like um if you give an AI a bunch of like Jane Austen novels, oh, like and it see, can write like, its what own. the like yeah. what they'll write. So I want to give an AI or a bunch of monkeys a the hill we <laughs> the climb original that AI. thing from Princess Diaries and a bunch of just like kumbaya like all of your Pinterest quotes, quotes. <laughs> and see what it comes up with. We should do that. We should come up with an AI. Okay. Well, on that note, thanks for joining us this week, you guys, and we will see you next week. Until then, yes, keep your fingers crossed.